You're listening to Two Moms, Zero Attention Span, the podcast with your host, Jess Martini. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Two Moms, Zero Attention Span podcast. I'm Jess, and today we are here with Marcella from the High Impact Club. And I am so, so happy, by the way, I like to get to finally chat with you and talk with you. Um, you were actually one of the first parenting pages I ever saw when I first joined social media, when I first joined, um, TikTok, you were the first, one of the first pages I've ever come across and I loved it. I loved everything you were talking about. So I'm so happy that you're here with us today to chat. Um, of course. And then today we are going to be talking about parenting with understanding, which is what Marcella refers to her parenting as, is parenting with understanding and also parenting neurodivergent kids as mm-hmm. neurodivergent parents. So we both have a lot of insight, a lot of personal experience with that. And before we jump into that, though, I wanted to let you guys know about a free masterclass that Marcella and I are doing together with HICparenting.com. Um, and it's going to be February 21st. Marcella, if you want to tell them a little bit about it. Yes. So how you said we are neurodivergent parents raising neurodivergent children. I ra- raised neurodivergent children to adulthood in foster care. Uh, sensitive. Um, one of my twins have high sensory needs, so he's considered a sen- highly sensitive child, and um, I'm a highly sensitive person as well. I have sensory needs as well. So my journey has been really intertwined with um, neurodivergent children and as a neurodivergent parent. And one very common thing that you and I get on our TikTok accounts is people saying, I don't know how to make this gentle parenting style or this parenting style work for my highly sensitive or strong-willed neurodivergent child. And let me tell you, from experience, there is a way and it might look different to how you would gentle parent a neurotypical child. So it's highly possible that the things that you see online, you don't relate with those things. For that reason, uh, Jess Martini and HIC Parenting decided to come together to, to provide with you a free class where you can get the steps, the shifts that you need to make right now to actually make this work with your highly sensitive, strong-willed or neurodivergent child. So to register is very simple. All you have to do is go to jessmartini at hicparenting.com. You can find, I don't know if you're going to place the link in your bio. I'm sure maybe Um, you can go to the link in her bio on, on, on her social media and register. Give us your email so we can send you the zoom link and we'll see you there. One thing is, um, we don't offer, we don't usually offer replays. So make sure that you, that you're registered because you're attending live. Perfect. Well, I'm so excited for that. I haven't, um, I haven't gotten to do like a long, you know, gotten to talk 
for, you know, on TikTok or Instagram, it's only a few minutes that you get to talk about a subject. And I always feel like I need like 40 for <laughs> specifically yes. about this topic because That's why this we is need a podcast. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So I'm really excited to pair up with you for that. But I also wanted to ask you, you said, so I know that you've raised kids into adulthood with this parenting for understanding. Um, and how did you come to parent this way? Because a lot of your content, the content that I found you from was your content that you were doing with your mom, um, your yeah. videos with your mom, where, you know, she's kind of sharing her perspective on how she would handle a situation or how she handled it with you. And then you're sharing with her why you do it a different way. Um, mm -hmm. And I loved that. I love that content for so many reasons. But how did you end up parenting in this way? Okay, so it comes from actually the way I was raised. Um, actually, that's not my mom. It's my abuelita, my grandma. <laughs> she just looks so great. Yes, she does. <laughs> I'm actually really surprised that that's your grandma. She looks so young. Yeah. So... What and then my mom and my grandma they did the best they could with what they had. I grew up as an undiagnosed neurodivergent child, so yes, I was labeled as uh, very sensitive. Although they didn't say I was sensitive, they said I was spoiled. <laughs> they said I was uh, caprichosa in in English. What would that mean? Like picky, very picky. Um, they said I was very messy <laughs> um, and they said I was annoying <laughs> and then at 35 I got diagnosed with ADHD and now it makes sense why there my behaviors might have seemed annoying messy picky spoiled and it's because I had a different set of needs and I just wished they knew I had those needs and they didn't see me for my behaviors. They did the best thing they could with the resources and knowledge they had. Um, the beautiful thing is that now we get to, I get to educate them, heal my relationship with them, and then set up a standard from moving forward from now on. So my parenting journey Knowing that, like coming from, from that, I was like, okay, I need to do things differently, right? I, I want to learn about my child, about, about their behavior, what their behavior really means. And that's how I call my parenting uh, style, parenting with understanding, because it's not, it's beyond connecting with our kids, it's beyond um helping them through big emotions is truly understanding their needs, where they're coming from, their personality, how their brain works, how their nervous system works, and moving from there. That's why I call it parenting with understanding. So I made a promise to myself to do that. And um, I started my parenting journey in 2012, doing foster care. At the time, I did not have parenting skills. It was just a big, I have uh, the will, the heart, the desire to do things differently. And then soon after, I found out that uh, Will, 
is just a little portion, like it's, it's not enough to help these children. <laughs> because I remember the seven-year-old, very bright, smart little boy, but oh boy, <laughs> he had ADHD, mood disorder, and PTSD. And on top of that, he had adrenal hyperplasia, which is a genetic disorder that messes up with his testosterone. So imagine his aggression, his mm -hmm. impulsivity, the high levels of testosterone plus the impulsivity from his ADHD, his trauma responses because he had PTSD. It was a lot. And as much as I tried to be gentle and understanding, I wasn't really getting across with him because I truly didn't understand. You don't know what you don't know, right? Right. So it got to a point that DCS, which is um, child services, they said, you are a great parent. And we see as well that you don't have the skills he needs. He needs to live in a therapeutic home with therapeutic providers who truly understand his needs. And I was terrified. I was like, okay, I, I need to do something different in here because I don't want to disrupt him. That's more trauma. That's adding more trauma to the trauma. Right. Uh, and then I asked them, can, can I be that therapeutic provider? I mean, if, if I get the training, would you allow, allow me to keep him? And they said, yes, but you have to start now. And it's going to be a one-year process before you get, before you even get to apply to have a therapeutic license. I went through the process <laughs> and then I learned so much. I learned about trauma-informed care. I learned about his brain. I learned about how to communicate with them, with him in a way that he actually can process and respond to it in a positive way. I learned how to regulate his nervous system from his trauma responses. I learned how to bring him back from hypervigilance and, and mistrust and fear back to safety in his nervous system, in his emotions, in his psychological state. And once I started applying what I call parenting with understanding, not just gentle parenting, but parenting with understanding, that's when I saw that relationship bloom, that he, this child, he went from being suspended and suspended and suspended from school to being in honor roll. This child was in People's Magazine <laughs> <laughs> because of his progress. He's like, people were, uh, even his therapist, he, I remember her saying, he's a different child. And not a different child because I molded him or I shaped him or I domesticated him. None <laughs> of that. Because he felt understood. Because he felt that I knew and I understood his needs and I knew how to meet him where he was at and how to meet his needs. I didn't From that I did not expect you to get me crying in the first 10 minutes of talking to you, but sorry, keep, keep going. <laughs> okay. So right now he's a teenager. He's doing amazing. He's going to college. Uh, he went back to live with his family. It was never his transition planning to be adopted. Uh, uh, sometimes when 
children in foster care, their transition planning is adoption. Some other times is reunification. So he's back with his family and he's doing wonderful. So that from that point forward, I was like, I need to share this message with more parents with more parents and I started I remember I still I even have a picture I I gathered up all my mom neighbors some of them I knew them well some of them I, I just did from waving hands when I was on the street but I gathered them and I started teaching them parenting with understanding and they started learning about their children's needs, about regulate, about nervous system regulation, about brain development, child development, all those things that I knew. And they started seeing amazing transformation with their neurotypical children, with their non-trauma children that were living great transformation. And then I decided from there, somebody, I, I remember one of them, said, I cannot believe you're giving out this for free. <laughs> like I would have paid you for this. Uh, and then I decided to start my Parenting with Understanding program. Um, and then that's when I founded HIC Parenting Education. Today, we have 10,000 parents in HIC Parenting transforming their lives. Many wow. of these parents have neurodivergent children. Many of these parents are neurodivergent themselves. Many of them are just parents with neurotypical children that are struggling in the day-to-day -day basis, that are finding, finally, peace, connection, joy, and understanding in their families. So that's my story. I love that. And um, what's really powerful is the the that this understanding this getting to understand your kids and really learning them and learning kind of what makes them tick and what makes them it's not it's for every child because one it's not just for kids with trauma or kids with ADHD it's for every child I did not expect to get so emotional during your story but you said so many things that really resonated with me um one of them was when you were talking about yourself and when you were undiagnosed and you were seen as annoying and picky and um, cause that's one of the pushbacks that I get a lot for gentle parenting is that it's only for gentle kids or parenting with under understanding that it's, it's only for quote unquote gentle kids. It doesn't work for kids with bigger behaviors or more destructive behaviors. And if anything, I think it's more for those kids those kids need it more than anybody else because they're getting more negative feedback in their lives in general than other children are just by the nature of dealing with these behaviors day in and day out. And you also talked about getting to the why behind what's happening with your child. And that's so powerful and important. And Oh, I just love that entire story because actually, weren't you a, a lawyer before you got into parenting? Is that true? Yes. Is that, yeah, yeah, I am a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so obviously this really touched you because you're a lawyer, or you're currently still a lawyer too, right? My license is active. I do nothing with it. <laughs> now I'm a certified parenting coach, um, former therapeutic provider, and that's my career, but yes. But I, I would say by diploma, I am a lawyer too. 
Um, yeah. So obviously this really touched you and changed the trajectory, I guess, of your entire life was this parenting with understanding. And honestly, for me, it changed my, I know how powerfully it impacted my own life because I can't imagine what my sense of self-worth would have been if I had grown up without getting that understanding, without getting somebody who was always trying to figure out why I was doing what I was doing or what was happening behind the scenes, you know? Um, and I think that's a lot of what you talk about in your content too, is when you, when you are trying to explain um, how it impacts the child long-term, you know, cause you can change behaviors. You can use a lot of punishment to change behavior but how does it affect the child long-term? And what happens is a lot of neurodivergent kids got way, way, way more punishment than their peers around them. And in order to change them, their behaviors to make them fit in or to act appropriately, and they never got the skills that they needed to take into adulthood. They just got a lot of punishment and then they struggle to find themselves later in life. You know, oh, yeah. And I think you've talked about this before, when you feel a need to be perfect or you had like a, a, you, you really, you ended up being a people pleaser. I think that's what you said, or a perfectionist, maybe. A higher achiever, like, I'm, but not from, a, from passion, but from, if I don't achieve, then um, all these things that I felt growing up, then I'm messy, then I'm annoying, then I, I cannot keep it together. I'm bad. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And they end up getting all their sense of self-worth from, from a, their achievements versus who they are as a person. And then they really struggle to find themselves as a person or to enjoy themselves as a person because what they've been told about who they are as a person fundamentally is that they are annoying or they are lazy or they are weird or strange. And that I got takes that too. <laughs> the weird, the, the, the straight. Weird, the awkward, you're awkward. You're weird. Mm -hmm. Not from my parents, from peers. Peers. And yeah, and that's another thing is that they're already getting this feedback. And I like the, that's one of the biggest things that I talk about and that you also talk about is, is that you said something else that it's, it, they see it on social media and they think, oh, this would never work with my child. It doesn't relate to my child, but it's not a perfect script or one size fits all or talking in a certain way, you know, and I think you talk about that a lot too, is that it's, it's much bigger than that. So let, let's talk about, it's so important understanding what the specific needs of our neurodivergent, neurodivergent children. Let's just say, let's just talk about Santiago. My yeah. sense processing disorder child, he has that diagnosis. So if I were to apply a gentle parenting advice that I usually see that you acknowledge feelings when they're upset and that acknowledging of the feelings will help them feel better. If I were to do that with my son who is already at the verge of a sensory meltdown, that's going to even trigger him is going to trigger him even more because my my voice, my words, my tone is is going to add to that sensory overload, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's why what I say, what how I said people who have highly sensitive children, 
strong wills, neurodivergent children, they may see those things and apply it at home. And then instead of the child coming down, they, they yell more. And it's because they're, they're applying tips from the head and not from understanding of what the child is needing at the moment. And that was the turning point for me and at the time for my son in foster care. And that's been what's, what has helped me be successfully, has success, that, 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 that. <laughs> that's what has allowed me to successfully parent my, my children, my neurodivergent child, and as a neurodivergent parent as well. Um, usually when Santiago is triggered, I'm kind of triggered too, because in his sensory overload in a crowd, I'm kind of there too. <laughs> yup. That's, I'm so glad you brought that up because there are a lot of neurodivergent parents that are like, how, like I'm, I'm overstimulated right now. And I can tell you right now, there are a few places where I get, it is hard for me to be a patient calm parent. Because I'm, I know I'm going to be overstimulated already before we even go into it. Like the grocery store, for instance, if I have to go to a crowded grocery store. And then because I know that about myself, though, and because my kids kind of know that about me, too, um, uh, you're able to take pre preemptive measures before you even get to the grocery store because you understand yourself, your kids, you've helped your kids to understand how it is that you're operating and then you're able to take preemptive measures. And that is a lot with my kids too. So specifically, you know, when you do learn your kids, when you do understand the whys behind the behaviors or really learn them, um, it helps because you can intervene proactively. You don't have to wait for that big meltdown. You can take steps before you even get there when you know what it is that gets your kid there that gets your kid so overstimulated or so, you know, if it's a change in routine, that's really going to do it. You can take steps to kind of mitigate, you know, those, those big transition issues that you're about to have when you understand why it's happening. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Um, even with children with trauma, for mm -hmm. example, for my son, my foster son, the one who has PTSD, he's, like when he was pulled out his home, that was a big trauma, that transition from living with his parents and then living in a foster home. So if I compare him to my to my children, my twins who that don't have trauma, and I were to say, like, I pick them up from school and I were to say to my twins, okay, we're not going home. We're, we need to stop by the by the bank and then go home, they will be like, okay, because they don't have trauma about that. They, they're, they've never been abandoned by me. I wouldn't been able to do that with my foster son. He would have flipped out because he, he still had a PTSD that he didn't know if I was going to really go to the bank or drop him off at, 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 and never come back, you know? Yeah, exactly. So that's why it's very important uh, not just connecting with our children emotionally, being a gentle parent is great, but it's not enough. <laughs> and I've also found, and I don't know, well, your kids are in school now too. I've also found that it helps in school. When you when you go to the IEP meetings, I remember specifically last year, uh, my son was had a few meltdowns in school and they were trying to say that they were going to implement some sort of behavior chart method oh, to mitigate these meltdowns. And I thought, well, that's not going to work. 
<laughs> you know, because, and even if it temporarily worked, if you don't get to the why behind, even if like for a week, they're like, oh, I'm excited about my little trinket I get. If I don't have a meltdown, that's not a long-term solution. That's a band-aid. you know, it's not going right. to. Yeah, so he's just going to bottle up his feelings because he's still going to feel all his things that he's feeling, but he's not going to feel safe to express them because he doesn't want to lose that that bribe or reward. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then, but being able to ask them, know which questions to ask. When have you noticed when it's happening? Is it always around the same time of day? Is it always with the same people? Is it always, and then figuring out that it's when an unexpected transition happens. And Mm -hmm. immediately I was able to say, oh, well, you know, this is the pattern of why it's happening. And this is a really easy step we could take to make sure that it doesn't happen anymore. And what do you know? He never had another meltdown the entire school year. One thing I did want to ask you about, do you sometimes feel like the way that parenting or gentle parenting or parenting with understanding is portrayed in social media um, feels exclusive or it feels like um, people feel yeah, like they- Aren't they people saying that gentle parenting is for gentle kids? <laughs> That's the trend right now. Yeah. And it feels like, cause sometimes I do feel like, or it feels unattainable, like, or unrelatable. Have you ever felt that being that, you know, um, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yes. I, I have to an extent too, but only because again, sometimes in my house, I have dealt with much bigger behaviors, much bigger behaviors than I had heard being talked about regularly. Um, or much more explosive behaviors, you know, and, and it's hard to talk about explosive behaviors or, or anything that is going to get you immediate backlash, you know? So even when I started talking about destructive behaviors, aggressive behaviors, explosive behaviors, I exactly busted my nose at the last dentist appointment and I haven't said anything. I mean, I, I, I told the story to my clients, Yeah, but media for that same reason yes because 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 there's there will always be people who don't walk in your shoes who have never walked in your shoes who wouldn't understand it so even when I started talking about it I always started every video with if you're about to come into my comments and say why would a child ever do that my child has never acted like that then this video isn't for you it's not for you but I'm not going to shy away about talking about, you know, a child who gets upset and throws a chair across the room or, you know, just starts screaming at the top of their lungs and doesn't stop. I'm not going to shy away from talking about it because there are so many parents that feel a stigma, feel like they can't talk about it, that they have nobody to go to um, because they're going to get backlash like, oh, well, it must be your fault then. Why is your child acting like that? It's you. You know, it's not. And 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 then they feel they can't get help. Or... I, think, I think they people should hear this. I am recording. We... Ah, you're recording. Oh, okay, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm recording. Yeah, no, and um, and they feel like they can't get resources. They feel like they can't get help because they feel ostracized. And then as a result of that, their kids don't get the help and the resources they need. They just continue to get punishments that aren't working for them and that truly they aren't deserving. 
because mm-hmm. they're just lacking or they're 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 not having needs met as you put it or they mm-hmm. don't have the skill set yet to to be able to respond in a healthy way to whatever it is that they're feeling or is going on in their bodies mm-hmm. and then these parents get shamed get ostracized and then mm-hmm. that's when you get that narrative oh it's only gentle parenting is only for gentle kids no it's not but it might not always look the same way you know it's oh. not and when I do demos or when I talk about things, sometimes when uh, I'll get a comment saying, well, you, that's not even gentle parenting. And I'm like, no, it is. It is. But I'm not talking about a kid who just doesn't, you know, who just sat down on the ground, doesn't want to go. No, I'm talking about big, explosive, destructive behaviors. And mm-hmm. I don't think we should shy away from it, you know? I mean, uh, I- it's okay. a, for me, as a content creator, I feel it as a fine line because it is my uh, my number one responsibility over the responsibility I have with my audience is that the one I have with my, my children. So I want to protect my children um, and I don't show them in social media. Maybe if I do, it's because we're doing something fun. The last time I showed them, they were in a Leo Piano concert. I saw that. Uh, but other than that, no. Um, I don't show their big behaviors. And then I learned that even talking about their big behaviors, that could be a way of me exposing their story. So, yes. so that's why I'm, I stopped doing it. I... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I'll tell a story here or there, but I've always said, I'm never going to show my kids. I will never show them in, in a vulnerable moment and, or, or, or expose their vulnerable moments. I do have the benefit though, of having exhibited a lot of these big explosive behaviors as a kid. Um, So I get to talk about myself in that way. And there's been many times where I've told a story about myself as a child and People have, you know, been like, oh, my mom never would have put up with that. Da, 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 da. You know, and it's like, but I'm an adult now and I grew up and I'm just fine. And no, I was never hit for it. I was never screamed at for it. And I still grew up into an adult with healthy adult relationships and coping skills and able to function without being hit. So if it was possible for me, and, you know, and I'm telling a story about having an absolute meltdown at the age of 13, you know, locking my mom out of the car and screaming and, you know, like, and I was 13 at the time and I made it without being hit or screamed at. There's nothing so different about me that was for you or any other kid, you know, because a lot of people who were difficult as kids, especially your neurodivergence, told themselves this lie that they deserved the treatment that they got, that they mm-hmm. deserved to be hit that they wouldn't have made it if they weren't. And I don't- My foster son, one day he came and told me, when are you going to yell? I'm like, why, why? Like we can't go to the backyard and yell until we <laughs> die, but I would not yell at you. <laughs> um, and then he said, it's just so weird that you don't yell. When are you going to yell? I'm like, that's not the way I, I parent. Mm-hmm. So- yeah, I, he got a lot of that. He even told me one day that he that he didn't believe he was a good boy. And he said he's a good boy. He is, he's such an amazing human being, but he couldn't see that for himself because 
punishment didn't allow him to see that. <clears throat> I got emotional. I'm <laughs> sorry. When you get emotional, it makes me emotional. And it's funny because it's funny the way that when you treat your kids, you know, that way and you make sure that they know that they, they're good people. They're, you know, they're beautiful little people. They see other people that way too. Um, you know, there was a video, it was one of the videos that were going around at Christmas of the kids absolutely freaking out over a Christmas present or whatever it was, you know, all those viral videos went around and my son happened to be watching it. And, um, and he was like, why he was like, oh, she's so sad. You know, he wasn't like, that's a terrible kid. Take all the presents away. So then I read some of the comments to him and he was like, he was like, give that comment a poop emoji. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not commenting anything back. And I was like, but you don't agree with them? Because I think the comment said, take all the presents away and give it to her sister. And he was like, no, she's she's so little. She's just sad. That was mm -hmm. like, it, you know, and that and you they see other people through that same lens of compassion, you know, and understanding. Mm -hmm. And it's it's nice to it, that's when you start to see the parenting paying off, you know, when in those <laughs> moments, when you realize that your kids are starting to see themselves as great people and they start to see other people that way too. Mm -hmm. But I think we're going to have to wrap it up here. I'm so sad though, because I feel like I could talk to you forever, but <laughs> <laughs> before we go, I wanted to play a game with you. So the game is called let's get deep. Um, It's for couples, but we can play it. Um, okay. So you get to pick, you get to pick an icebreaker question, a deep or a deeper question. How well do you want people to get to know you? Let's do a deep, uh, very deep question. A very deep question. Ooh. Okay. So this is deeper. Um, okay. What's a decision you made that you wish you could redo? A decision I made, I wish, uh, okay. This is a very sensitive one. When I was 36 weeks pregnant, I felt really, really sick. I had a rash all over my body. And my C-section was scheduled for 38 weeks. And I basically went to the doctor to beg them to do the C-section. Um, they did it one, uh, one week before the, the date, the scheduled date. Um, that created trauma in me. So Aww. if I could have gone back, I, I would have just hold on to it until the last minute. Uh, I'm still wrestling, trying to heal from feeling that I failed my kids. Mm. The twins that are, this is my, with your twins, right? Yes, my twins. But they're they're here and they're they're yeah. thriving and they're <laughs> they're doing. I can understand why we're always so hard on ourselves, and it's hard when you're in that amount of like incredible immense pain, you know. But you did everything you could. But you've done everything you could for your twins. I I know I could say you know you should be able to you should let go of that, but nothing I could say would make you let of guilt but it is a heal pro healing process for sure um i've processed the situation with brian and then he said i'm the father mm -hmm. and i wouldn't let you do anything that i thought was not a good decision for my family 
um, when you said it was time, I, I saw it was time. Mm-hmm. You had such a pain, such a much, some, so much pain. And the twins were receiving all that. Uh, and Miguel, he was so cramped in there that when he came out of the womb, he's, he had a dwell in his cock because he was so, like they were, when they were born, each one of them was six pounds, which for twins, it was, they were big. And so, was, yeah, 12 pounds of baby in you. That, that, that's and I'm a small person. And they're, you're a small person. That's what I was going to say. There's not a ton of room for 12 pounds of baby. <laughs> yeah. And also, that's too, the, you know, the doctors wouldn't have done it either. There's no way they wouldn't have just, you know, so. But yes, I, that was definitely a deep question. Do you want <laughs> one more and then we can wrap up? Okay, let's do a, a like a lighter one. A lighter one? Yes, okay. to light it up, to, to finish in a good tone. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so this is just deep. So that's like not deep, deeper. Deeper is like the ones that get the you. The one I just answered. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it says, if you could pick one age to be forever, what age would you pick and why? One age to be forever. I mean, I'm 36. Would I like to be a 36 year old forever and ever? Probably not. <laughs> I, that, I don't even think I could pick an age. I. Oh, eh, if I were to go back to my childhood, I would say being a child as long as my parents understood what they understand now. Yes, I think I would redo that portion of <laughs> my life. I feel like I would love to be a kid, but so then I love what I would say 12. That's when I got the most like that. That was a really rough time in my life. And if I could go back and my parents have more knowledge on how to help me, I think I would have been able to not have all the traumas I have right now. <laughs> I feel like you answered a better question than what was asked. You, asked, I feel like you answered if you could redo one age, which one would you redo? Mm. Like yeah. 12. 12. I, I would redo 12. I would redo um, 21. I was absolutely the most selfish version of myself at 21. If I could go back and like, like there's, there's only one time in my life where I'm like, I look back and I'm like, yeah, that person that I was, wasn't my favorite version of myself. It was 21 that Mm -hmm. year. I was pretty self-centered, self-absorbed. I was all wrapped up in having my fun and I don't know. That is developmentally appropriate too, because your brain was not developed yet until 25. Uh, It was, but for you to be selfish (laughs) (laughs) it was but if I could get rid of some of those uh you know things I wish I didn't I wish I'd done differently it all would have been around that year of 21 but Mm -hmm. all right well thank you so much for chatting with us today guys don't forget that the 21st February 21st um is the free master class with Marcella and I and that I am so excited for, and it's seven, it's uh 7 30 PM Eastern standard time. So 5 30 PM mountain standard time. And hopefully we will see you guys there. And thank you so much, Marcella, for coming on and chatting with me today, because I just always, <laughs> I always have the best time chatting with you. 
So, and you always make me cry. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I will see you later. Bye. Bye.